2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everybody, wherever you may be, I am not Connor Clancy is me dove because Connor is on a train somewhere in central Italy. We don't know where exactly, but it might come back. We'll see later on the show. However, I have two recognizable faces uh, or voices even uh, on the podcast with me. It's uh, Vito Doria and Nicholas Caro. Vito, how are you doing?
3: Look, I'm feeling reasonably good. been a bit. Ill in the last couple of days, but this morning's results have been a rather ideal tonic, so hopefully it's uh, up and above from here.
0: <laughs> so you're not going to show me this week, no? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> right, okay. Well, everybody, you're, you're in for a treat then. I'm not getting show to that. Um, Nicholas, you're <laughs> not going to show me, are you?
4: No, no. I'm in a very happy mood, I'm and I'm very glad to see that Vito has uh, got some positive results overnight, so uh, we, uh, I think we'll have a nice, friendly pod today which is going to be great
0: brilliant that's what that's what we like to hear we're always about friendly friendliness although Vito your um, rant last week inspired Vieri Capretta to write an article about so there you go that that is to come people so you can look out for that and Vito you can shout at him afterwards Um, (laughs) (laughs) right before we obviously the big game of the weekend was Milan-Roma however I want to start with the events at the Stadio Luigi Ferraris because Sampdoria smashed Napoli 3-0 De Frel got 2 and then Fabio Qualiarella scored what is a normal goal for him really Uh, this one's for Vito I'm going straight to Vito on this one this was brilliant, wasn't it? Oh,
3: well, absolutely. Especially that first half, I thought we played a superb game of football. There was great fluidity and great link up play. So it was rather incredible to see us destroy Napoli, especially in that first half, like we did. And the main difference there was having uh, Ecto in the register role, uh, controlling the play, and also having Ricardo Saponara playing in that trequatista Until he was injured, I thought he was very decisive. And in particular, he was the one that set up the opening goal, with that excellent pass to De Frel. Well, that's
0: the thing. That's the thing that you know, I noticed as well at the midfield, like being there and seeing what they were doing. With Ektau sitting there, Aloudi Neti and Barreto, both of them were really just, and the strikers in were when he was mm-hmm. just closing everything down and didn't give Napoli a chance to... To get on the ball at all, which was impressive, you could tell it kind of took everything out them because they were knackered by the end mm-hmm. of it. So, w- w- what's happened then, Vito? Is this kind of like something that Gianpaolo Paolo's instilled? Is it the play? The players have kind of realised actually we're quite good and we can do something.
3: Well, there are a combination of factors, but I strongly do believe that starting Acto and Subbanada were the two main reasons. And also having Lorenzo Tonelli in defence was also important. He was very assured at the back and he was comfortable on the ball. And uh, going back to Edgar Barreto, at least he was playing as a box-to-box midfielder, which is his preferred role instead of him being the regista. So even though he wasted the ball a few times, at least he was in a role that probably suited him much more. And with his energy, as well as Carol Linetti's, I think they just overran the Napoli midfield.
0: Mm, I'm still going to stick with Samp. Um, Nicholas, Fabio Coelarella scored a goal. It was quite good, wasn't it?
4: Ridiculous. Um, I mean, you almost have to think as a as a Napoli supporter, like, can you really be that unhappy when they're scoring goals like that? Like, you can't defend that. That's ridiculous. And at his age, he's, he's got plenty of seasons to go, obviously. I'm sure he'll have like a Five-year stint at Kievo before he retires.
0: Uh, it's not good. To that. Come on, let's just <laughs> be serious for a second. Um, obviously, well, he got that goal. You can't really say much about it other than how great it was. Uh, I like Defrau um, because obviously he he got the first goal, just smashed it from the edge of the box after a great counter attack, and then was kind of in the right place at the right time for the second goal as well. So I'm going back to Vito Nicholas and. What, what has he added? Because obviously last year it was Zapata and Qualiarella. This year it's De Frell and Qualiarella and they're two very different players. Hmm.
3: De Vrel, in my view, is a lot more mobile than Zapata. So I think that one will make a difference. And technically he doesn't look too bad on the ball. So hopefully he can regain his confidence and he's already done that in the opening match. So, a very ideal situation for him, whereas at Roma, he wasn't getting that time or those opportunities due to having a stronger squad around him. But at Samp, it should be ideal. And I reckon that in the Sampdoria's case, just generally, I think the play would be more cohesive and more fluid as well. So when you've got mobile forwards, it's easier to keep possession but also helps to create better movement, quicker movements, and make things more unpredictable for the opposition defense.
0: And that's exactly what Sampdoria did. Now let's get on to Napoli then because they were rubbish, Nicholas. What on earth has happened? They were all at sea in defense, overran in midfield, created next to nothing an attack. I thought this was meant to this is the great Carlo Ancelotti. What's going on?
4: Well, if if you ask Carlo Ancelotti himself, it's it's all about their attitude. Apparently, um, he seems to think, and you know, fair play, it's, you can see that a lot of similarities. They started the match in very similar circum, um, circumstances to the past two matches, where they didn't look that great and they went down early. Um, I, th- I think Ancelotti actually said the only difference was they there was no comeback in this match, and um, true because uh, Sam continually just went on with it and dominated for the most of the match um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not I don't think there's anything too concerning at this point
0: Nicholas your microphone has went off fuzzy um, oh great Revito, come to you um, while Nicholas sorts the microphone out S- uh, Napoli uh, Napdor- Napoli have conceded six goals this season off the first six shots on target that they've faced that's pretty rubbish. Like, what, what do you think has gone wrong there?
3: I think that without Maurizio Sarri, that the structure of that defence has surprisingly gone out of that window, which is rather bizarre because it's the same back four that they had last season. So there was Hussai, Abiol, kulibali and Mario Rui, but it seems that, I don't know, from the outside looking in, Ancelotti has either taken that structure out or he's trying to simplify it too much and they're not making the same movements. They're not reading the play like they used to. So I, I just find it extremely bizarre that you can go from one coach to another and it's fair enough that they both have different styles of play or coaching, but it's just a big change and I'm really surprised by it. There must be something that Ancelotti is doing in training that's probably not being addressed or there were things that Sadi was doing in training to really improve them, but this time more casual, which is not ideal even at this stage of the campaign. All
0: right, Nick. Go on. Do you think you you, you might be sorted out?
3: Yeah, apologies
4: that uh, we don't get quality quality internet down in Australia, so <laughs> we we do the best with what we're given. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just going from from what I was just saying, you know, it, it seems to be very much an attitude thing. But what I was getting onto is that, you know, I I don't think it's anything too concerning at this point. Um, Encelotti is clearly still getting things together and still obviously trying different things. Obviously we saw, uh, Marik and Jose Calajon, uh, on the bench the entire match, which is a huge change for Napoli. So he's clearly still experimenting and seeing what combinations are working. Um, Encelotti said that that wasn't the reason why they lost. Um, you know that's open to interpretation, but certainly he's still himself, you know, playing with things, tinkering, and seeing what's going to work best for this Napoli team moving forward. But um, after two wins, it was interesting that he did bench them. Um, you know, you, usually you'd think that um, you stick with the winning combination, but each to their own,
0: indeed. And I, right. of the individual performances, Diawara wasn't very good, he was actually hopeless and um, Zielinski went missing for the entire game I mean Nick you're a fan of these young Napoli kids and he's gave them a chance and already granted Sampdoria is a difficult place to go but they've failed that test miserably
4: <laughs> yes uh <laughs> but look I mean look, how many minutes has Diabara played like in the in the top league in the last season like it probably the season before last was when Diorara looking really well. When he played in that tie against Real Madrid, he he looked class. And since then he's barely played any top-grade minutes. So you can kind of expect him coming into this a bit cold, that he's not going to be, you know, up to the standard. So he needs more minutes. You know, whether or not he's going to be a success, maybe that's, um you know, maybe he's lost those crucial development years. But he needs a bit more time to, to be able to adapt and, you know, Properly install himself in this team.
0: Right, we've got a couple of comments in in the comments section. Um, Doria boy has said a few things. He said, "Why change a working system?" Sari knew his team; he was with them for three years, and he should have been comfortable resting player for some games. And Chalotti, on the other hand, is new to the team, and he should have set out first before tinkering. But that that's something that Allegri did when he took over Ubi. He Kind of kept with Conte's team and slowly implemented kind of his style and his system into the into the club, which obviously has worked wonders, right? Now... The only, let's the only Sorry, the
4: only big... I'll, I'll just quickly comment on that. Like, I, I, I agree with that to an extent. The only difference is that one player, Jorginho, was central to that Sarri um, style of play. So that, I think, in itself has forced some of these changes and tinkering from Ancelotti. And, you know, when you look at how how central and crucial Jorginho was to the way Napoli played in recent seasons, you, you can't understand why he might be going this way.
0: Right, there we go. Right, let's move on then. Because <laughs> on Friday, Milan played Roma at the San Siro and they won in the 95th minute through Patrick Cutrone. Um, Vito, Milan were really good in this game uh, one of the stats that kind of shocked me a little bit was that Milan had 26 shots on goal to Roma mm-hmm. 6 um, has Gattuso changed so much that in the summer I mean the, the only kind of difference really was Higuain playing uh, the rest of the team was pretty much the same I mean, what, what's kind of been the change there
3: I see a big change in AC Milan's style based on the first two Serie ER A games that we have seen of them. We've had this either narrative or perception that is just going to create a hard-working team similar to his attitude as a player, but this Milan team looks very comfortable on the ball. They play with great confidence and they do link up very well. It's not like they're making casual passes or they're squandering their passes, they're actually creating play and they look confident going on the ball. So it's a big change in style and I'm surprised that Gattuso has made that. But uh, yeah, definitely with Higuain, he's a class striker and I think with this new philosophy or change in style, I think he might benefit from that. And he is a quality finisher. I just think that at Juventus, he didn't really... uh, fits in that well will live up to the
0: right. well, right. Hey, well brilliant uh, segue Vito, because Berat says Higuain hey, incredible Nicholas I was there and Higuain was for me probably the best player on the park for Milan not obviously he didn't score but the way he's working back he's working for the team he's creating space and he played the the, the pass that put Cotroni in is he going to be like an even better player at Milan than what he was at you Uh
4: yeah <laughs> You pretty much took the words right out of my mouth, though. Um, he, uh, you mentioned pretty much the the only difference is Higuain's coming to this team is exactly what you said, and that to me has made a huge difference to the way this Milan team is playing in that final third, even in the 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 two the middle third and the forward third, because if you actually look at the the heat maps of the positioning, Higuain is actually he drops more than the likes of Suso and Chelhanolu they actually play further up. The, the amount of work he's dropping and uh, feeding into that build-up play, um, it, that, that's almost just as important as what he's doing around the, the penalty box for this Milan team, and it's opening up so much space and opportunities for the likes of the Bonaventura's of the world, who's um, you know obviously been quite strong himself. Uh, apologies if you can hear a baby in the background. Um Next
0: kids but, yeah. are going crazy, everybody. They're but, loving it. Let's Higuain talk.
4: <laughs> big, big, big Milan fans um, <laughs> down here. No, but, I mean, I'll, I was actually looking at some of Higuain's stats and he's passing, you know, obviously we're only a couple games in, but the amount of passing he's completing uh, so far this season, it it's far away more than what he was doing in basically any other season with both Napoli or Juventus. He's involved more in the play and he actually does really well in that kind of role. So he's really impressed me. And while obviously Cotrone will get a lot of the headlines for the goal, that was all he in, that pass, the, the composure to, particularly in that kind of uh, time of the game, you know, a striker of his calibre is more than likely going to be like, well, I need to score this and we'll go himself. But the composure to actually see that space and play it through perfectly for Cotrone, incredible Um yeah, Higuain looks like he's really gonna. I mean, he's aging, but he's he's you know looks as good as ever in this AC Milan outfit, and uh, yeah, exciting times for Milan.
0: Indeed, I think so. I reckon that, that he could be a real difference maker for them, not in terms of goals, but like you say, how he how he kind of fits in with the play. Vito Roma. Roma were not very good. I think they had about a twenty minute spell in the second half after Di Francesco changed his formation um, and kind of dominated Milan for a little bit, but didn't really create anything. Uh, Obviously, Di Francesco, I think, got it wrong with the formation and things like that. But what what do you think's happening at Roma? Because they don't look anything like the side that were so good last season and that got to the semi-finals of a Champions League.
3: It seems that Di Francesco has overhauled the midfield too much based on the choices of personnel. And also... Choosing the 3-4-3 formation I thought was a bit bizarre, especially because I believe that Javier Pastori is best suited to the Trequatista role, and he did not play in that role that much, so I don't think it was really convenient, that formation. Even in the second half with the changes, I did not see much urgency in Roma's play or much unpredictability. I thought their play was rather simplistic and they did not look very inventive and all, and they do have creative players. So it was a rather underwhelming performance against Doro
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
3: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: You know, I was indeed. And uh, we've got a comment from Aaron Holland. And he says that uh, accommodating Pastore in the lineup is messing Everything up and then Berat's just chimed in there and he says, too much tinkering with the midfield, big losses, and Strutman and Ninja, Nyangolan, uh, and Zonzi looks promising, but there is concern. I mean, w- looking at that, Nick, um, do you think that, that the midfield is an issue then? Because obviously, Nyangolan was brilliant last season for them, best player, and they've lost him, and they're hoping what well, Pastore, Pellegrini, Cristante can step up, and they're not doing it.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, midfield is an issue, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I kind of feel like I'm becoming a bit of an apologist for teams so early in the season. But um, I mean, look when you look at Roma last season, I think most people would probably say they overperformed in a lot of ways. No one expected them to do that well under Di Francesco um, so quickly. So, you know, as you guys have mentioned, that losing. Nangalan and Strootman is huge, huge losses in midfield. So it is going to take a lot of time to, to try and sort that out. And Nzonzi at times looked all right, but um, also at times looked rather um, uh, average, let's say, um, particularly that last pass to um,
0: that kind of set up the goal for the winner. So um, no,
2: that's, that's
0: fine. No, that's fine. Nick. That, that's all right. Um, so we've done a dusted, I think, on that. Um a couple of comments we've got and we've got another we've got one from Alec Vilesson your who says, I blame Monchi. Simple as that. Later, Holland says leaving a under El Shirawe to give Pastoria more attack, and probably isn't the, the best thing to do. Right, let's move on. Vito Doria. Parma versus Juventus. Um, this was the uh the, the 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 game where Parma were back obviously back in the big time playing the big guns after three years out they finally played the, the Syria champions at the Tardini and Parma um, they gave them a good uh, a, a good game to be honest and uh, if it wasn't for Blaze Matuidi they would have got a point out of the game uh, what did you think of actually what did you think of Gervinio in particular because Conor Clancy the regular host who was at that game he was raving about Gervinio.
3: In particular, in the first half, I thought Jovino was superb. He scored the goal, but it was his trickery, his speed, and the confidence he had to run at defenders that made the difference for Parma. Parma do rely on the wings a lot to create chances, and you can see that Javinio with his quality and his experience, makes a difference to this Parma side, and if they stand a chance of surviving relegation, he will need to keep, performing like this and contributing with the goals because it does give that team that belief that they can challenge a side as talented as Juventus. And I thought they might have even taken the lead before halftime too because they had some good chances, but Szczesny had to make a save and there was also one block on the goal as well. So I think they can be proud with the performance, especially the first half, but if they can sustain that for longer periods... um, they can be a rather good team to watch and they might be able to obtain more results as the season progresses.
0: Mm, possibly, right. What about Uv then? Because they got another win. Connor Clancy, who was at the game, like I mentioned, he wasn't too impressed. Did you think, Vito, that that's just Uv just starting the season or getting into gear? Or do you think there's maybe a few problems that are kind of slotting in like four new players into the team?
3: Accommodating new players has made a bit of a difference. So obviously they haven't fully gelled yet. But at least with Juventus, I don't think they really slowed down after the 2-1 scoreline. They did attack a bit more, although they didn't create clear chances after that. But it wasn't like they sat back and just defended that lead. They had confidence on the ball. And if we are going to talk about accommodating players and all that, A lot of people are focusing on Cristiano Ronaldo because he's new to the team, but also Federico Bernardeschi has become a starter in this team. So I think him playing on a more regular basis might be something to get used to because last season he was more of an impact player off the bench. So you have a different player, different characteristics, and then he also changes the shape of the team. So it's a work in progress, but the depth is there.
0: Right, Vito, you mentioned the big man, big Cristiano, not scored again. People are starting to go, oh, my God, Cristiano's it, Cristiano's rubbish. (laughs) He's not really, though, is he? Let's be honest.
3: No, I would not write off someone like Cristiano Ronaldo so soon, especially after just three rounds. Also keeping in mind that he's just arrived in Serie A, and it's a different style to the Spanish La Liga and, of course, to the Premier League when he was at Manchester United so getting used to the tight defences and also the tactical systems it's going to take him some time and defenders are going to keep an eye on him because of the talent he possesses so I would not lose too much sleep over it I would be more concerned if he was not performing in the big Champions League games and things like that but we'll have to wait until after the international break to see how he impacts on this uh, Bianconeri side
0: Mm, um, Cheyenne Rafi, what was it Rafi? I can't say that name. Cheyenne, he said it's frustrating watching Uv go through this system transmission. Can Allegri please stop playing Cuadrado as a left back slash, or oh, sorry, right back? He means uh, Nick. Do you see anything uh, kind of Uv that maybe would have a, or is having an impact there? Given that they've not really performed fantastically well uh, in the three games so far this season, but regardless, they've got the wins.
4: Yeah, to me, I, I don't see that much of it. I mean, the last two or three seasons, do we ever really watch Juventus and see them win and be like, wow, they played some great football today? Like, it's just, it's not really how they go about Serie A. They, you know, they do what they do need to do and they get the points. So it's, I mean, there is some changes, obviously, but I mean, I, I don't think anyone in that team is going to be that concerned. They're They're still obviously... Growing some combinations some new combinations there, so that'll be uh, more precise as we get through the season, but they'll be more than happy I think to with how they're going because they're getting the results and that's what counts and that's what the other teams don't do um whether they're playing well or poorly so um you know they'll they'll continually improve throughout the season and I'm sure they'll be lifting the title.
0: Yeah, and the they, they'll win it at the end. <laughs> so it's like there are certain things in life, taxes, death, and this one in the Scudetto. That's pretty much how life works. Um, right, let's move on. Bologna versus Internazionale. This was fun, Nicholas, uh, after the 66th minute because Inter struggled to break down Bologna before that. But then Rajanangolan, the ninja, um, he had a, a nice one too. I think it was just Politano and then put it in. Then Antonio Candreva scored a goal, which is amazing. And Perisic got a third one. So you you must have been happy, right? Because it's your first one of the season. Nine Gland scored on his debut. Happy, happy dance. Everybody's good, right?
4: Yeah, happy. Uh, particularly to do it, score three goals without Mara Akadi is, um, you know, it, even. Even better, I guess uh, that was the big concern going into the match uh, with Akari and Lautaro Martinez. Not um, well, apparently not going to be available. He did set him sit on the bench, I believe. Um, but Kate Bell there was uh, playing in that striker role, so it was a bit unsure how that was going to work and. Really, in the first half, there wasn't much going on in attack that had all the possession into obviously. But
0: well, well, hold on, right I'm gonna get you on that. The inter attack, right? Do you not were you not a bit worried that that basically Bologna offered nothing? They were horrid, mm. and Inter really struggled to break them down. Is that not a bit worrying? That without Icardi, goals do not come.
4: Not really, because N- Nangalans just made his debut, um, and not only he's he's made his debut with not the normal striker for Inter. So there was a lot of things going into the match that was like, well, how is this going to work exactly? Brand new combinations that aren't even our uh, Inter's first team combinations, So it was always going to be a question mark. And you could see that in the first half, like you just um, mentioned. They really struggled to get any real fluidity in that final third. So, and, you know, look, credit to Bologna's defence, but, as you said, they really needed to do a bit better than that. So at half time I was very concerned. Um, but they kind of got it together. Um Politano off the back of last week's performance, I thought he was um arguably the best for Inter. And he continued that. He uh started to create a lot of opportunities and and then Ivan Perisic keeps uh, keeps on keeps on being world class. He's just uh Amazing, um, probably my favourite player in the world right now. But, um, <laughs> but with Politano and Perisic on on either side of uh, the interstriker, that's very ex- it's so exciting at the moment. Nangalan can continue to build the combination with Akadi up front. That attack is just looking sublime and it's got the depth now, so lots to be excited about. And, you know, these were the positives that I was speaking about last week when me and Connor got into a bit of a row. Like, while the result wasn't there <laughs> against Torino, there are so many positives to like about this inter team. And yes, it's still coming together. Yes, there's going to be a few more games when it doesn't look great and there's some question marks, but lots to be excited about. And
0: right, uh, hold on. We've got a comment, Nicholas, right? Um, all right. The XY1 has said Spalletti, but he said a wee expletive, is getting exposed out there with these terrible tactics slash selections. And now I think we've got something going up on com that's kind of noting that in the three games Inter have played, they've started with three different formations. So last season, I remember Spalletti was getting absolutely pilloried for playing with the same the same formation of more or less the same team every week. Now he's changing it and people are still mourning about it. what's, what's going on.
4: I, I really, it seems like every week on the pod too, there's a lot of people don't seem to uh, take a liking to Spalletti's tactics. And but I mean, I agree to an extent. I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he's the most tactically, uh, you know, good coach there is, but I, I, I think he's, he does the job with what he's got. And, to be honest, I, I think in Inter's situation, given the last few seasons, I wouldn't necessarily say that that the the most strategically aware manager is what that team needs. It needs someone that can actually take control of that team and get them working, um, create a new culture. Uh, that, that's been Inter's main problem for me. So I'm not really someone that's going to go out there and say, well, you know, we need someone with better strategy, with better tactics. We don't need him. The Inter don't need him. Maurizio Sarri. They just they need someone that's going to fuse all these all this talent together at the moment. Because the culture, the attitude, the mindset—that's been the main problem. As we kind of spoke about last week, it hasn't been the necessarily the the way they're playing. So, um, I mean, tactically that is. So, but I I don't get this. Uh, the Spalletti hate, to be honest, I think he's he's doing a good job. He did a great job last season and, uh, long may it continue.
0: Okay. Wanted to continue, but we don't. Uh, Vito, Bologna, um, I was at this game and the thing I took away from Bologna was that Bologna are crap. Uh, it's mm. literally as simple as that. They've, they've not scored in Serie A yet. Let's see this season for the first time ever in their history, not scoring in the first three games. They didn't ever look like scoring. Um, Pippo and Zaghi's taken them back, has he?
3: It seems that way, and also he's relying a lot on the 3-5-2 formation which he was using at Venezia. Based on what we saw against Inter, though, it looks more like an 8-0-2 because that midfield has workhorses and there isn't enough creativity there. The two forwards, Santander and Falcinelli, they did not do much Offensively, and it seemed that Bologna only got out of the defensive shell once Inter took the lead. So at the moment, I don't have many, I don't have much belief in uh, Bologna turning things around soon unless uh, Pippo either changes his formation or even if he does keep the 3-5-2, he tries to accommodate someone that's going to help them break from defence to attack much quicker because they might have defended in numbers, but they offered nothing on the counter-attack. They just... Uh,
0: the, the Vito, they offered nothing in any attack. Yeah. It was mm. ridiculous. Santander like and were... Did, did. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> exactly. And that that was in the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah, in the first five minutes or something. That, that, that was to Santander, I just I was looking at him. Like, this this boy, he's not going to do anything. Every single time, he did absolutely nothing. And even when they brought Destro on, they kept Santander on and Destro was as well not being there. Um Vito Filippo Cacciamo has said, is this Bologna team crap or is it just super people? So is it are uh, quit is it the team on the play or is it the coach or the players?
3: Not an easy one, but look so far I'm, I'm gonna say in I hate to say it because I thought he did all right to drop down to Serie C and then work his way back up with Venezia. So I didn't mind seeing him get a second chance in Serie a after flopping at Milan. But so far, I think he's got his tactics wrong and also just the general approach of the team is not very good. I think it needs to be more balanced, whereas like we are just saying in the last couple of minutes, no, there's nothing much there. They're not a really strong defensive team, nor do they provide much... Going forward, so he's got a lot of work to do during the international break.
0: There we go, right. Um, what else will we talk about, lads? So let's, let's see what the, what the people in the uh, the comments are saying. Uh, Hussein says people was a great player, but he's a terrible coach. Uh, Law's XY is chained back in. They said Inzaghi should have, shouldn't have taken the Bologna job, this might hurt his career big time. Right, Nick. The, the career of Pippo and Zaghi, obviously, at Milan, he was on a hiding to nothing there, uh did really well with Venezia. almost got them for his career as a coach is finished.
4: I just uh, missed the question there, but I'll, I'll go on about um, I It's interesting. He was a bit of an opportunist as a... Uh, as a striker, obviously, just those kind of finishing, that's what he made famous uh, throughout his career. He doesn't seem to be taking the best opportunities as a coach, I would say. Uh, he took on Milan, that Milan job, in in not great circumstances. It was never really going to end well. And you have to question whether Bologna, like, I mean, it is a return to Serie A and it needs to be somewhere. But for me, Bologna just, there was nothing really too positive looking forward about this team. Um, you know, looking into this season when we're predicting the relegations, they were very close by in terms of who might be. Um, oh, look, Connors there. Um, just, just keep,
0: talking very- keep talking, Keep <laughs> talking.
4: Sorry, I, I get distracted by that face. Um, yeah. I you know, he was in. Bologna was in that that thought process for me, and very close. You know, possibly seventeenth. So um, maybe it wasn't the right position for him. But uh, you know, hey, Pilippo had the the skills as a player more so than his brother. But apparently, Simone got all the uh, got all the tactics and uh, the, the brains. Let's say. So you know, he can't have it all.
0: Uh, well, that, that's true. You can't have it all. Well, it was going to be a surprise, everybody, um, but Conor Clancy has arrived uh, to, to talk to us about some Italian football. Conor Clancy, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Hello, Bob. Hello, Nick. Hi, Vido. Hi, Conor. There we go. Conor Clancy's here. Right, Conor Clancy. Uh, put in your two cents about Parma and Juventus, because you were there for Forza Italian Football live in the stadio, Ennio Tardini, for forts the time football. i just reiterate that point. Um, yeah. Was it good? Was it fun? Did you have fun? It was. Tell, tell the anecdote about everybody laughing. That was
1: fun. Uh, that's where I was going to start as well, to be honest. And I almost feel bad starting with this because it just feels like I'm picking on him at this stage. But Cristiano Ronaldo, though, he had a stinker. An absolute stinker. He was just getting in the way. Juve were really trying to pass the ball to him. As soon as they went one nil up, him and Mandzukic swapped and they were all just trying to kick the ball to Cristiano to score and he wasn't having any of it. He was awful. But then the giggles had started to kind of surface when he missed a chance from close range. I think it was a header and he got really annoyed. And then the ball came down. I was going to say it dropped from, but it didn't. He forced this effort. The ball was about shoulder high, edge of the box. And he tried to do a mental scissor kick type thing completely missed the ball landed on his arse the ball landed beneath his foot and the whole stadium just laughed at him it was one of the best things I've ever seen in the stadium normally like when you're in a football game you're used to hearing certain noises an eruption of laughter is not one of those noises and when you know it's because of something Cristiano Ronaldo did wrong it just makes it so much funnier it was amazing
0: yeah, you go everybody it was amazing um, we'll see how amazing it is when he scored 35 goals at the end of the season and mm-hmm. then everybody will be laughing on the other side of their faces but there you go oh,
1: he's going to do it, he's a brilliant player as we said every week we've done this podcast which just makes it all the more enjoyable that he's struggling in these early stages yeah, so we was, can enjoy
0: it he'll get his first goal in the Champions League that's what happened and then it'll be CR7 Champions League and all that um, Right. the other game Connor Clancy was at was Fiorentina versus Udinese in Florence um, Benassi scored Fiorentina won what happened was it good were Fiorentina amazing Could you said um, you were going to watch Giovanni Simeone
1: I was there to watch Giovanni Simeone and I was impressed by him but I also felt a bit sorry for him because he was trying to do absolutely everything by himself for about 65 minutes and then Fiorentina kind of came to life after that but yeah and this game was considerably less fun than the game last night to be fair but it was still the second half was good they were clearly just there to get a point, and you can't really argue with that too much. But Fiorentina probably should have carved out more of that considered. They look like they're really missing a proper number 10. I know Marco Piazza came on and he's wearing the number 10 on his back, but they're missing someone in that midfield three of Benassi, Gerson, and I can't remember who the third was in midfield. Who can just kind of unpick a hole in the defence and that? Because Giovanni Simeone was getting absolutely nothing. He was coming back deep into his own half countless times and driving the team forward himself. But then Chiesa kind of woke up in the second half and it was, it was him really who delivered the goal because Benassi will get the credit and rightly so for what was a great finish. But Parma, or not Parma, sorry, I'm getting all my games confused. Udinese had a corner and Chiesa picked up the ball in his own box and absolutely tore forward with it down the left. But then as soon as he got into the Udinese half, he slowed down. The whole stadium was going mental at him, telling him to pass, it, and he was just almost strolling. He knew that Benassi was coming over, someone was coming up on his right, and everyone else was going mm-hmm. mental, trying to get him to pass it too. I think it was Piazza who was up with him, and he just waited and waited and waited, and then just delivered the, the most beautiful dinked pass just over the top of the defence into Benassi's path, and he he smashed it. It was a great finish, to be fair, but I was really impressed with Chiesa, and to a lesser extent, Simeone, because he was getting evidently frustrated. He was trying to get the crowd up for it at points, and they were. But the best part about this game was when the goal went in. Um, Obviously, you know where the press box is. It's kind of down the touchline towards the corner where the Fiorentina fans are, on the same side as the dugouts. And I was watching the players running over celebrating, trying to make sure I got the goal scorer right. And then next thing, Stefano Pioli just charges down the touchline and joins in celebration. I was loving it. In the stand, it's
0: great. <laughs> go. Good things come to those who wait, like, like Conor Clancy joining the podcast at half past 12. Um, Jordan Vertu says, LOL why he was the player that Fiorentina. Uh, we're missing. So there you go. That's the man you forgot, Connor. Um,
1: playing, but they could have. Yeah, re-
0: were liking him in there. That's that's what he said. He's the player they Absolutely. were missing. so so there you go. So he said it right. So so relax. Um, right. What else happened in Serie A? Lazio won. They beat frozen. Only one nil. cavo and Empley drew 0-0 Atalanta got beat off Cagliari Nicholas, that was Atalanta
1: got beat off Cagliari. Eh? I I said this to you. No, no, you're, you're, you're not Nicholas, you're Conor Clancy. <laughs> but I've just I said that the only surprise is Pavoletti didn't score. Uh, well, give, give him time, give them time uh, Torino beat Spa 1-0
0: that game was uh, delayed or suspended halfway through the first half because of heavy rain but eventually got finished and cooler got the goal there and then the game Vieri Preta was at and Reggio Emilia, Sassuolo smashed 5 past Genoa, 5-3 it ended up um, and he was raving about Babacar and Kevin Prince Boateng in that game so there you go, Kevin Prince Boateng is back everybody, and back with a bang and um, before we finish I want to touch on one thing we've seen the international breaks coming up right and we've seen seen all the teams play we've seen kind of what's happening and things like that Vito have you in the kind of first three rounds in general is there anything that's kind of surprised you that you've kind of noticed or is there anything that's kind of caught your eye
2: about
3: Serie A so far in the opening three rounds I would probably say Milan style of play um Again, it seems like they've taken Maurizio Sarri's possession-based philosophy and adapted it as their own. And for what we were, for what I was saying earlier, I really, I really didn't think that uh, Gattuso was capable of doing that. He seemed to be that hard-working type. So, yeah, so far he's proved me wrong. And it'd be interesting to see how Milan progressed as a team. Now they got on off-field stability and. Having Higuain there up front, they've got a proper stroke instead of Nicola Cullinan. So, so far, so good for them. What
0: about you, Nicholas? Apart from Inter, you're not allowed to talk about Inter. Is there anything that surprised you? Maybe maybe Napoli conceding lots of goals and their young players not being very good, no? To be honest, nothing... Nothing, nothing. There's nothing that
4: comes out to me that's like... uh... You know, the overly surprising so far. Like it's, you know, it's so early still. But not everything's. I mean, I don't want to say it's as I as I expected. But it, you know, it's 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 going along fairly well. Maybe maybe I thought Kiev would be a bit better than they are because oh. they are
0: to took you a wee while to get that oh, wait, you that.
4: you did get a claim shade, so I'll give you that. And Congratulations. Here you go.
0: That. Listen, we've, we've had a hard start to the season, so relax. <laughs> Just give it time, it'll come. Bobby, you've so you've been to some Italian football games this season. Is there anything kinda, that springs to your mind?
1: Yeah, and I am going to go back on one of my pre season predictions already, and that is Palmer are going to stay up. They've got <laughs> them. Yeah, they they brought in a lot of players late on in the window and I honestly think they've got enough about them to stay up now though, I think I don't know who else is going to get in the place but there's probably enough down there that Polonial. they can be yeah but Polonia will <laughs> slot in there quite nicely um, but yeah Parma will stay up there you go right and um, we had a comment LolXY has
0: said it deserbi it. it's a swallow surprised him the good manager, but he didn't expect them to start delivering right away. And I think you're right. I mean, the, the I think I've only watched a couple of Saswell's games so far. Obviously, didn't see the game tonight, but they've been really, really good. I really like the way they're playing. And, and Kevin Prince Boateng which is like we mentioned before, is fantastic. Um Philippo Cachamos chimed in. Cristiano Ronaldo Jr. scored for Juve before his dad. He's surprised about that. He did. I think he got four in his debut for the under nines at UV as well. And there was a comment I wanted to bring up. Stefan Butcher. They said don't for, don't forget to talk about Inter's amazing passing. He mentioned 707 passes. I've got this stat here, right? Inter attempted against Bologna 808 passes, completed 729, which is both our record, which is both our records for Inter in a
1: Serie A match since Opta started collecting data in the 2004-5 season. So there you go, Nicholas. Does that just reinforce you know. what you said about Bologna being so bad? Because I know when you got back from the game the other night, oh, we were chatting about horrible. It. Because Inter are this, I know they're changing a bit this year, but they're not this heavy possession based team. Mm. So that's.
4: Bologna no. had no midfield, so it was just basically Oof. free
0: reign.
1: Bologna have no team this season. They're, <laughs> they're going to be. But well,
0: Badger Demon said there's probably 650 of those passes were doing nothing. So it's two things probably right, because a lot of them were sideways. Um, but, but I, th- I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite noticeable, because I remember last season doing some of the st- statistics on FIF, and like, there were points where Napoli were getting up, like, between 700 and 1,000 passes, like attempting that every game because that's what, how Sarri wanted them to play. And I've, 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 obviously we've only got one game to go on, so it'll be interesting to see if that's something Spalletti keeps going with in terms of trying to get Inter to play a stupid amount of passes, or if he starts just going like get it to the wingers, take somebody on, and then get the ball to Icardi. There you go, everybody's quiet. They're all nodding their heads there, <laughs> silently in the background. Um, right, unless anybody's got anything to add, I think we're done here.
3: Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that, that's so good. Yeah, all yeah, right, right, there you go. Thank you, Vitro. Um everybody's in silence. Um right. What do we what do we do at the end here, Connor? I don't know what to do at the end. This is your thing. Go for it. All right, over to you.
1: Meet your mic there, please. Um Thanks everyone for listening. I m- I missed you guys this week. CM Fox hasn't been in the comments, it's sad. Uh but basically head over to forceital read everything we've done. I don't know if Dov mentioned it at the top, but of the 10 Serie A games to be played this season or this weekend, we were in the press boxes for seven of them, which you don't get that from any other English speaking Italian football website. So that is why you need to tell everyone that we are the website that you should be reading, listening to the podcast, or watching the videos of. And just if you need anything about Italian football, we've got you covered. Don't go anywhere else, it's fine. You can get us <laughs> on Instagram. We're smashing the Instagram stories of the games. We're at Forza Italian Football on Facebook at Forza Italian Football as well, on Twitter at Serie FFC, just to make things different. Um, You know where the boys are. I get them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook a lot. Um, I should be back. I don't know if it's next week or whenever. No, you'll be two
0: weeks because the international break's next Mm. week. We've got Italy Italy against Poland and Italy against Portugal. So yeah, you'll not be back for a couple of weeks yet. Nice. I'll have to miss you for a wee while.
1: Sorry, guys. I, I'm sure they don't miss me. I miss them. I'm sure they're delighted when you feel no, it. Like, yeah,
0: probably, yeah. They were excited to not hear your voice or see your face. I know Nick was. Nick was really happy with that. He was like, yes, Doves coming on. First corner. Keep him away. <laughs> right. Okay, everybody. Um, thank you very much. And that is it. There's nothing left for me to say apart from Bye Bye.
4: Ciao. Ciao.
3: noi la bando viola sui campi della sfida e del valore con la speranza viva ci consola abbiamo un atleti e un solo cuore oh fiorentina mm. Baby Shark baby shark. Mommy, shark it,
4: Mommy, shark it, shark Mommy, shark. Daddy, shark daddy, daddy, shark daddy, shark. Grandma
3: Shark. Shark Grandpa shark the
4: grandpa shark. Let's go hunting, let us go hunting.